The Overview is a production of Chamman V TV. Find out more about the show at chamanv.tv. What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 94 of The Overview. I'm Chamman V, and we're finally started. We're much later than the start time was originally announced, and you can blame that guy right there. That guy right there. <laughs> okay, fair, but I'm now going to point the blame at L.A. traffic, so oh blame L.A. and the traffic of the city, and also not accounting for it, so <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well... I'm definitely happy we finally got started, and of course, extremely happy because we have Fraggy joining us as our guest today from uh, the Philadelphia Fusion. What's up, buddy? Hello, Stereo. <laughs> Man, I, I love the the dining room, you know, chandelier thing you got in the background. Man, like that that's uh that, that's definitely one look I haven't seen from a team house ever. That's really cool. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty good house, huh? Yeah. Okay. 12 people it better be a good house. <laughs> it's got to be. That's what it be. Right. Well, it's also the one house that has an incredible chef with it as well, which everyone is immensely jealous of. Uh, so, well yeah. done, Philly, there. Yeah, yeah. it's a vacation now, though. We are uh, for now. <laughs> that's, so why, like five days. that's why you see those in and out videos, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Makes sense now. Um, well, we haven't been here for a while, so obviously lots to talk about, but we'll start off by uh, mentioning that this episode is sponsored by ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter is uh, a job site that uh, does an awesome job of aggregating lots of candidates and job postings, so you can definitely check that out. We'll talk a little bit more about them later. Uh, but since we have Fraggy on, I figured we would just start off by just peppering Fraggy with a bunch of questions and interviewing him and doing all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, why don't we start off just how's life in Cali, man? You've been there now for, like, a couple months now at least, right? Things good? Yeah. Yeah, four months now. It's been really nice. Uh, it was, like, Ankara said the raining a bit, like, for two weeks or so. Mm-hmm. Week back, it was a bit cold. Not as cold as, cold as in Finland, though, but <laughs> uh, it's been pretty good. The Philippines is taking really good care of us. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice house, so all good. All right, that's that's definitely good. What's what's the daily regimen like? Do you guys have all that like workout, you know, for X number of hours and go practice and then work out again? X. It looks like all the teams are starting to get into this like really um, strict regimen. Are you guys one of those teams? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not not really. We don't have any workout plans yet. Okay. I think that was like planned later on. We had some like maybe maybe yoga planned at some point to relax people a bit and you know get up in the morning. Yeah, it's mostly just like we have uh, scheduled like lunchtime mm-hmm. at some point or uh, noon, a bit before noon usually, mm-hmm. and then we have like practice after that, That's and cool. we end at like seven p.m. usually and have dinner. Okay, yeah, awesome. And yeah, I think we were we were talking a little bit before the show, and you were telling me how like half the team plays at the house and half the team goes to the arena, right? All right. How does that? Yeah, work? we split. Yeah. yeah, it's six and six players, so. Because of the noise issues, we can't really play at the same house. So we split the squads <laughs> and uh, change, change who goes to the facility each and then. Yeah. Okay. So the... Is there... I mean, there is such thing as, like, Team 1, right? <laughs> or team, team A, which is, like, I guess the starting team, right? 
Is that the team that goes to the arena, or is that the team that stays home? Uh, no, we we switch like every day. Oh, you do? Oh, you actually just mix it up. Okay. Okay. Yep. Cool. Good deal. Good deal. So I kind of want to ask this more broad spectrum because, of course, Fraggy. Uh, I've seen you in Overwatch matches going all the way back to the beginning. I've kind of seen you go from team to team, uh, from you know the old school SG1 days to NIP, now to OWL. You're one of the few players that can actually say that they played in tournaments going all the way back then, and you've lived to tell the tale. You've lived to tell the tale in tank role, a role that is being more and more dominated by uh, tanks coming from Korea. How does it feel to be in that position, just the journey as a whole? I mean, yeah, it's been a long journey for sure. I think uh, I'm just like trying to do, do my best right now. For sure, there are a lot of good main tanks, especially from Korea, that I need to compete with right now. And it's been pretty tough at times, but I think uh, we have figured uh, the game out a bit better now, uh, myself included. And it's been going a bit better now in stage two, and uh, I think it's going to be even better in stage three. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this this stage, you know, even stage one, right? Stage one, I feel like you guys started off with, uh, you know, like a surprising win, you know, and a lot of people were, were uh, you, know, you just ex not didn't know what to expect from you guys, you know, and, and I think the, the rest of the way was, you know, I, I think kind of kind of average, you know, I think the, the end of stage one, but then stage two, you got off to a really quick start. And, um, and then, you know, it kind of had that, that little lull moment and then obviously just that amazing run at the end. Um, what are some of the things that have been changing? Like the progression of the team? Like what, where, do you, where do you see the, the biggest improvements or, you know, some of the, the um, holes that you, you've got, you guys have been able to fill along the way? So like stage one was mostly like a prison for us. So we were like mm -hmm. figuring out yeah. how we want to play, play the game as a team, uh, what strats we're going to use, how the short calling works, and so on. Mm -hmm. Uh, like in the beginning of stage two, we kind of put eco in more, mm -hmm. uh, which I think fits our playstyle more than solo burn. I think, and it more uh, we got our like more solid playstyle mm -hmm. in stage two. Uh, in like against the Koreans in like week was two and three, we had some people sick. Eco was sick one week, Boomer was mm -hmm. sick one week, mm -hmm. so we had like some bumps in the road there for our like uh, progression team. But on week four, four and five, we definitely got back on track, mm -hmm. and uh, we figured out uh, a more solid play style. So that's like why the showing for better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you, you met. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, ZB. So one thing I would ask is, um, going into season, obviously people had expectations of where the teams would fall. Uh, Philadelphia started out as a team that people didn't have a lot of faith in the beginning, uh, myself included, just because things came together pretty uh, quickly, or so to say, a last minute for Philly at the end, where it feels like you know you guys got in the team house a little bit later. Uh, this idea that, okay, people are just barely getting in time, and there wasn't sort of this idea as like, okay, how's Philly going to compete? Now, of course, you think about how things have evolved. You end up being number two in stage two. Uh, did you guys always think going in is like, yeah, you can like you'll be able to climb to number one, or like was there any sort of revel revelation where you're just like, wait, we actually can compete with some of these teams that uh, people are underrating us, and hey, we can overperform where people are putting us right now? Yeah, for sure. Like from the beginning, we really thought like we had a really good roster, a lot of underrated players, like for example, Poco. I think. Like pretty much everyone from outside of Europe was sleeping on him lots, and I feel like he's at least like top three of tanks in the world. Like he's insane on Saria, 
and really good on Diva. Um, yeah, it's mostly about like, I think probably a lot of the other rosters probably couldn't have done it as well as us. I feel like our potential, like just individually, is so high that it's going really for us, well for us, even mm -hmm. like with the shorter preparation time. What would you say is the biggest change uh, from your perspective in playing tank at the OWL level versus playing tank in previous teams? Of course, uh, the fabled NIP teams that ran uh, triple tank before uh, teams realized how strong it was uh, in going all the way back to the SG1 days. How has tanking changed for you over time in Overwatch? So I guess I'll start with like Winston. Uh, Winston has been a bit different. Like uh, I think I thought about Winston play a bit wrong before I was league on stage one. I kind of like thought about Winston play like being as uh, like uh, Winston gains straight all go in at the same time and explore the targets. But in reality, that's like not how it works pretty much ever because you don't you won't have that kind of synergy and there's gonna be like obstacles in the way. Like the enemy treasure could like contest your treasure, so he's not not, not be there all the time. So I think uh, the playstyle I got now with Winston, that's like more sneaky and waiting for the opportunity more and being like more, uh, have more freedom of choice on when to engage and when to fall back. That's like a lot better playstyle than what uh, I had before. That was like all all in <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Were there any, uh, in developing your current style, were there any tank players along the way, uh, whether it be at the OWL level or kind of leading into it, where you sort of looked at them and said, wait, they're doing something that's pretty good here. I'm going to start incorporating some of this into my gameplay, but refine it. Like basically any player that blew you away to where it's like, yeah, I kind of like what this guy's doing. Uh, it's not about like, I guess not, not my really blew my way, but like some of the Korean tanks actually were like really good with the, uh, Primal Rage mechanics, that's what I improved a lot in stage two, I think. That's really important to speed Winston. Uh, I guess Muma from like Western Tanks, mm -hmm. his playstyle was sort of, like really sneaky and kind of uh, played more like that, I think, in stage two. It fits really well, I think. Uh, as for the Ryan play, uh, I think it's pretty much the same. We are always leaked, and now uh, it's a shame we don't get to see it more, but I feel like my Ryan style fits really well even now, and it's really strong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, one thing you know, you, you did you did talk about a little bit, like about the style, you know, that you're playing Winston when I is different. But one thing's for sure, though, is you're still on the spectrum of aggressive of aggressive play, and that's that's the thing I love about watching you and especially Poco. And um, talk about that, like, is it right now? I feel like it's it's favoring you guys, particularly the, the the last week too. I just like the style, you know, just that kind of aggressive style. Um, you're not a coward, Frankie. Yeah, you're definitely not a coward. <laughs> And some of the plays you pull off are just like highlight reels, which I freaking love. So, um, yeah, just talk about that style and how it's working out for you guys. Because, you know, again, like I feel like, you know, you, you guys play much more aggressive than the other teams. Uh, I guess, yeah, it's more for me not like waiting for my chance. I guess we tend to dive more aggressive than usually with Winston. Um, against some teams, I think we try to be a bit more passive nowadays. Because I feel like it's a better fit against some teams to like yeah. play passive themselves and are like pretty good at anti dive. Then you can like just go all in all the time. Mm -hmm. But usually, like if you're really aggressive and set the pace of the game, it's pretty hard for the enemy to react and play their own game. So that's I think why we tend to maybe go a bit more aggressive usually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one thing too with uh, just 
your array of players that you have in the team. Right now, you got like a full roster with twelve. Um, you know, one of the things, at least with your DPS options, you guys have, you know, obviously some great players at DPS and, um, you know, at times two of them have to sit, you know, and, you know, we're looking at Carpe and Snillo and Shadow and, and EQO, it's like, how do you choose? You know, like, I think you mentioned that, you know, EQO, it's just like, he, he fits better with the style of, of play that you guys have. And you could definitely see it because your results do, do show that. Um, and then Snillo had like, an amazing series, you know, at least on that Sunday. I think he just played, you know, he was definitely one of the highlights of Sunday. Um, you know, you, have you guys found that right combo, you know, just in terms of what, what and when to play, which maps to use the, you know, certain DPS players? So definitely towards later stage of, of stage two, later uh, weeks and stuff. Um, I think... Carpe is probably in all of our optimal DPS yeah. setups. It's just so good individually. It's kind of kind of unreal. So we just kind of build the DPS comps around him. Yeah. And right now it's mostly Ego and Sinlo who we put with him, depending on the map. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Salaber might come in later on, maybe. But yeah, his style with Genji uh, is a bit different from Ego. I feel like his Farah uh, is really good. So if there's like I think like Oasis or something comes in later on, or like really some Farah maps, I think we should see more Shadowburn for sure. Mm-hmm. Question, yes. by the way, and just before we get too far away from the tank side of things, is that obviously people see you when you're on a hero like Reinhardt and you're very aggressive, uh, to say the least. Uh, not a coward, etc. As you move <laughs> in, but. The average Reinhardt, if they were to try doing that in a pub, well, they would just get blown away. Uh, can you talk a little bit to the degree of what goes into supporting you when you go in for that stuff? Because not only does it require good game sense on your part, but you know what comes in for your team is that it kind of requires full support from your flex tank, from your supports. Uh, how did you sort of have to coordinate all of that to make that style work? So with Ryan, it's usually pretty easy for my team, actually, because... With, when you play with Ryan, usually when I go aggressive, I like push the space and everyone can just, kind of just focus in the front, you know? Everyone just looks forward and like reacts to stuff that's like what the enemies are doing, what I'm doing, and just try, try to support me. Usually it's, it's like uh, when my playstyle like works correctly, I think it's a lot easier for the, my team to play. Uh, and it's like a really easy way to win, I think, if you play it right. Mm-hmm. So it's not like that tough to coordinate, I think. If only that could happen on the ladder, just with, you know, <laughs> I'm playing Ryan, yeah, it really, please it pocket matter. me. And it's like they're pocketing yeah. everybody else but me, so it's really Would the rough, same level of coordination work if you had someone <laughs> insta-lock Hanzo and you only had <laughs> right. one support? Exactly, right? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, definitely a great finish you know, at, at the end of stage two. Um you know, like I think the series with London, I felt like at least for a lot of folks, it didn't sound like it was for you guys because you guys had like high expectations, anyways. But I think for London, you guys taking it, you know, in such an epic series too, it really kind of solidified, you know, you guys, you know, in this this top uh, of, of the league, at least one of the top teams in the league. So, um, and then taking, you know, NYXL to the limit too. I mean, for sure, you guys are going to be one of the favorites going into stage three. Um, how are you feeling about it? You know, like I, I feel like you just weren't satisfied at all, you know, like finishing and you felt like you, you guys should have won. Um, is that true? Yeah. So I guess going to New York game first, yeah. of course, like we are like hot from the London game. We beat them three, two. That's mm-hmm. really good for us. We feeling really good. 
then we go Sardinier uh, sets, we go up 2 0. Mm-hmm. At that point, of course, like, okay, I think about it, okay, it's basically five. It's three maps left. You just need to win one map and you're, you're the state champion. So, obviously, in the end, it's not that fun to get, getting like reverse swept, not mm-hmm. fun ever. Yeah. And like, really disappointing to like kind of waste a chance to get a state championship on your belt. The, the interesting thing, though, is that you think back to how Overwatch used to be, um, especially back to the old days, you didn't see reverse sweeps all that often. I think part of that was the idea that teams that were on top, it felt like there was a more clear definition where you like you had your, you know, whether it be an IDB QD type team back before their Envy or something like that, that was like super dominant, right? Whereas OWL, it feels like teams have more parity now to a degree that on any given day, you can have upsets, or even within a series, you can have situations where it's more common that a team might take the first two maps and then have another team come back. Uh, how have you felt overall in terms of just the level of play in the league with the idea that most teams seem to be a threat? Yeah, it's definitely. There's so, so much parity. All the teams are so good. So on any given day, it depends so much on like the players' moods, uh, just their form on that day, like how good mm-hmm. like the DPS are doing. It, it's changed so much, so that's why I think the upsets happen so much more. And uh, some series might seem weird, like some players might not be performing at times, mm-hmm. and because teams are so close, uh, that affects the game a lot. Was fatigue an issue on uh, final Sunday? Like, not saying make an excuse or anything like that, uh, anything. But, but when you do come in, you're not the number one seed for playoff Sunday in an OWL stage right now. It does mean that you have to play through two sets, and of course, you have your set versus London, and you get a very tiny break, and you have to go in against NYXL, and you get two wins immediately, and you end up getting reverse swept. Do you think fatigue was a factor at all, and how that played out, or just uh, New York just started playing better? Uh, I think it's both, probably. Um, I feel like the fatigue had a little bit of an effect, but uh, not too big. It's mostly about just losing a bit of focus, uh, not playing like to the utmost potential, and that's like, like against a team like New York. That's not gonna cut it. If you're like gonna not focus fully, you're gonna get punished for it. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, those games weren't like giveaways. I mean, they were all really, really close. So, yeah, um, both, yeah. yeah maybe not so much. Yeah, okay, okay, I give you that one. <laughs> but, but um, you know, it's definitely hard fought. And um, so, in terms of stage three, I mean, you, are you feeling like you, you guys are favorites in this one, or, or one of the favorites? I mean, and NYXL, I feel like you know, still is the team to beat. But um, you know, are you guys feeling really confident given that nothing's really changing, you know, in terms of the meta too much, you know, in this next... Well, no, week? no, you do have the, the... I believe the Sombra changes are going live for OWL oh, Stage 3, which okay. might be changes. no change at all in the sense that teams that have run it in contenders have had pretty mixed results. I would say that overall, a good team running Sombra is actually less scary than that same team running not Sombra. But there are mm. people who kind of feel like, wait, maybe that's going to change at the OWL level, and that's actually a reasonable transition here. Fraggy, mm. uh... Are you guys planning on using Sombra more heavily in Stage 3? Uh, has the coaching staff sort of put much thought into that on the Fusion side? Like, where do you see Sombra? So, I think the, Som- the Sombra changes hit the live already, where you, I think she gets like 2 second cooldown if the hack gets in the damage. Mm-hmm. And also, the hack doesn't like linger around corners. Right. So, I don't, I don't think Sombra yeah. is that strong anymore. 
So really? it's not going to be like a scroll feed that okay. might be used everywhere. So I think the biggest change for stage three is going to be the map pool, which is going to be really different from stage two. Mm, so that's cool. where we might see. Isn't uh, Blizzard World coming into play for stage three? Oh my I believe. gosh, that's going to be sweet. Is, it, <laughs> is, is the map pool converted already? I don't know. It does right. Can I talk about it? <laughs> oh, wait, wait, maybe, maybe we should be talking about it, or maybe we shouldn't ask Fraggy, but if Blizzard World's going to be in it, it's going to be sweet. You could confirm it already. I don't know. Yeah, pool. yeah, no, I'm not trying to leak Carino either. That's, I mean, I, I'm not sure if I heard it somewhere. I'm just like assuming, but I mean, it's been around for a while. Now would be kind of the time to play Blizzard World if you were going to play it. So, I mean, let's put it this way Have you put any thought into Blizzard World? Uh, not yet, too much. We are on a break still. If it's going to be in Stretch Map Pool, I think it's, it's been published already. So we can talk about it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, Blizzard World is there. It's gonna be like uh, Volskaya Anubis 2CP, which are oh my gosh, not my favorite maps maybe yeah, at yeah. the moment. <laughs> uh, I think Hanamura was really good from map for us from 2CP. So I think the 2CPs are gonna be a bit tougher for us this time around. Mm. Then you have Blizzard World and Numbani. So obviously Blizzard World that's gonna be a new experience to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the like the second point uh, change they did on the PTR. Mm -hmm. I think yeah, it's on the PTR. It's pretty right good, mm -hmm. but I don't think mm -hmm. I don't know if that's gonna hit the stage three uh, overstake or not. Probably so, not. I mean, it have to be out by next week. So yeah, it's yeah not... before before the league. Yeah, they're not, they're like, they don't want to change the, like if any teams play the map before yeah. they don't want to change the anymore. So I don't. Yeah, uh, it's it's tough to say. I, I think if the change that was probably like a pretty good map, but. If, uh, without change, the second point seems like the spawns are too close yeah. for defenders, maybe. So Brigitte's, Brigitte's going to make it too, then, into this this patch? No, Br Brigitte is not going to Sorry, Brigitte, yeah. Brigitte is... She won't be until stage four at a minimum. Oh, okay. Yeah, for, I thought maybe she would get it in get in with the Sombra change too, but okay. Cool. We'll have yeah, to I'll wait that. another five weeks for Brigitte. Well, yeah. it, it goes off of ranked, right? And because she's yeah. not available in ranked right now, yeah. uh, she's not going to be available. Yeah, then we have Tumbani and Chunkertown. Chunkertown especially. Chunkertown's back map. again. Okay. Wow, <laughs> this map okay. was really, really interesting. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Chunkertown being back again uh, in particular is that even uh, after the Mercy changes and Mercy got toned down a bit, uh, if you yeah. look at Contenders play, people are still running pirate chip comps uh, fairly regularly. They're not really going full pirate chip and running the Bastion in a lot of cases, though that still happens, but it's still a more unique opening where you get the double sniper setups, you get the Orisa on the cart, and yeah. you know, you're, you're trying to protect in and around that, and you're still running a Mercy, so for better or for worse, it is a very unique escort map. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure, Mercy's going to be played there, like the Widow Mercy comes are so strong on yeah. map, like, whenever you like, run Widow, Mercy's good with Widow because you can rest there. If you lose the Widow, you all against rest and try again. Yeah. It's so important. Well, why don't we, you know, why don't we talk about some of the things that we see on, um, let's see, the PTR change. You know, like the PTR right now has a few, few interesting balance changes right now. So um, why don't we kind of transition into that? So let me let me bring that up real quick. Um, here we go. Let's see. Yeah, and these, you know, who, who I'm not sure exactly when these are going to be out, but you know, if history. Is consistent here. This should be out in like yeah, weeks, weeks time. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we got the Blizzard World change, uh, Blizzard World change, which you you mentioned before. So the actual um, first payload checkpoints, like like further back. 
Um, mm-hmm. But the the uh, Void teammates, you know, Jeff had a developer's update that kind of talked about that. It's kind of nice. We're finally getting something where we can just like, hey, I don't want to play with this dude ever again, or at least for a week, you know, and uh, we, we actually have that option now, which is nice. Um, I yeah. think the biggest part about the option is that even though it will like affect a few notorious individuals fairly badly, uh, Steve-O, uh, to name like <laughs> probably the most affected appeal thing, is like, yeah, I'm going to block this, is that I just think it's a powerful psychological tool. I don't think players getting the avoid option is going to change their win, rate, win rates much at all, but it gives people that extra level of control to a degree where even though it's not really changing their destiny that much, it's fooling them into thinking that's changing their destiny heavily, which is actually a big deal in the end user experience. Like the guy you got on your team that you think is completely throwing might not be throwing to the degree you give it credit for just because look, he's in your skill tier. But if some guy has just offended you to that degree, not being able, being able to queue up again without going, oh, I'm going to be stuck with this guy one more time, that's psychologically freeing to an extent, right? Well, well so that's, that's the whole point of this thing. I mean, it's not so much that, oh, I'm, I'm going to have a better chance to not, you know, win next time as much as I just had a horrible time playing with this dude, so I don't want to play with this dude again. <laughs> you know, So uh, I think that it serves more of a purpose for that. It's just you know, having a happier experience you know, playing Overwatch. Yep. So I think that's yep. going to be huge. Yeah, report- I think it's going to be a good thing for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, report- um, oh yeah, what I mean, any anything else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I guess yeah. So, I mean, I guess if it's like if there's going to be some horror stories from like Steve or someone like they have mm-hmm. like three hours queue times because everyone has blocked them, it's going to possibly yeah. like deter other people from like trolling or one tricking mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, that's true. And it actually is going to help out streamers as well because there are cases where even though streamers have a better chance of getting Blizzard to react to it, if you have one determined guy that's trying to get into your games and grief over and over again, you get a little bit more control in avoiding that person by using one of your two avoids on them. So that definitely helps. Yeah. This is kind of an indirect way of solving the, you know, like one trick pony type of one trick issues here. You know, it's because a lot of them will be, right, like probably marked down as a void teammate. And like you said with Steve-O, right? It, that that could be happening to a lot of these people. Um, well, well, and it's yeah. really just the one-trick builders. Like, no one's mm-hmm. going to avoid a one-trick tracer that's playing well or a one-trick. Yeah, but we, we, you know, of course. Even like a one-trick widow, if it's doing well, people generally are going to respect that to a degree. Yeah, yeah. It's literally going to be, are you one-tricking Torbjorn or Symmetron attack? I don't want you on my team. That That is how <laughs> people are going to use it. And you're right, it is sort of a soft ban. Yeah. I uh, see so another little thing is they they removed the poor teamwork option. They they added um, gameplay sabotage for uh, griefing, <laughs> which is like wow, okay, that's that's a very explicit uh, option there. Um, but I guess it's pretty clear as to what that that means. Uh, but let's see, let's get into the balance change. I think the rest of them are just kind of yeah, so so. I mean, not not huge changes here, but we're talking about diva here with micro missiles. So the explosive damage is reduced from six to four, which um, in these developer comments, apparently it the net result is a 22% damage reduction, which is quite a bit. That's like, you know, just over a fifth of the damage. Um, given D.Va's, you know, like kind of diving in with the, the, the missiles is a pretty big part of what she does. Um, how much of this is going to affect pro-level pro play, Fraggy? I feel like not too much. Okay. It's like a welcome to install. I think 
uh, a lot of the players like suggested this, like a small Nerf to Diva, just a small one, and I think this seems like a pretty good one. Okay. So, like, yeah. Divas can just, like, burst down Winston and, like, Zenyatis so easily. <laughs> yeah. Here's another way of looking at the Nerf, too, uh, or Nerf for any video game ever. Are people still going to use the hero after the nerf? And the answer for Diva is yes. If she's still going to be actively used, still going to be one of the most used heroes in the game, and it's after a nerf, it means the nerf was absolutely justified. Yeah. And you stop and think about why people use Diva, right? Is that they use her because she has incredible mobility for getting into spots, especially for dive, where she can easily support a Winston. Defensive Matrix is still really good, even though it's half the duration that it used to be. And then she can get in people's face and apply suppressive damage or sometimes outright pick people off. And it'll be that very final part that you get a little bit less. And yet there's plenty of times that Diva will just give someone with room to spare, right? So even with the damage nerf, it's not going to stop your really, really mechanically gifted Divas like a cool mat from getting in and killing two dudes. It's, yeah. it's still going to be very good for those Divas. So I just think it raises the skill ceiling a little bit more. It rains her in just a bit. Seems like a fun nerf. I still feel like we have an issue, or at least, you know, the part of the equation of when to nerf somebody is when the pick rate is so high, right? And and Diva's pick rate has been almost 100% for how long now? Yeah. And that's just going to continue. I don't, I don't think this this stops it. Um, yeah, at least at Personally, the Personally, I, it's, it's, I do think one way I would nerf Diva, if you think about where the areas where she got overbuffed, is that maybe this will be enough. But if she's still constantly picked... I would probably just nerf D.Va self-destruct. The reason being is that there's plenty of heroes in the game where they have their hero power balanced either more towards ultimate or more towards just mechanical power without ult. Like a hero like McCree, for example, right? He's not getting a lot of his power off Deadeye, even though sometimes it can be effective. It's more his general kit that makes him worthwhile. D.Va could still be a very effective hero if self-destruct wasn't as good as it is right now. Like... I think you can go back and make the argument that the original change way back when that made the self-destruct go from four seconds to three seconds might have been a little bit over the top. Like, make self-destruct something that isn't going to reliably get kills to the degree, or degree it does now, and that probably makes Diva more of an option uh, select than what you currently have. I think it's just like you could just uh, nerf the ultimate charge rate as well. Because after Diva got the damage buffs, like after the Matrix rework, she got the missiles and stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think she just like charges the ultimate a bit too fast because she's doing so much more damage than before. Okay, yeah, I'd I'd be pretty bummed if they took away. I mean, the self destruct is such a, I don't know. I, I feel like from the standpoint of of strategies and just huge tension plays, the the self destruct just has a lot of implication on on battles and. You know, requires well, such great play to even just you know avoid certain kills or you know jumping on payload right when you're at the end of a you know like like a point. It's I don't know. It, it's a a focus point of a lot of amazing moments in games right now. So I'd hate for that to change. Well, sure, but I mean, again, it's just the issue that you have a hero where like both her alt and her mechanical yeah. stuff aside are both really really strong and i mean winston to a degree has the same thing and it didn't always used to be the case part of the reason why winston has done better over time as well is that people did not use primal rage anywhere near as well as early as about a year ago people have leveled up fairly dramatically and getting just far more consistent value and getting pickoffs and riding it to the edge pretty reliably and again not every hero 
has a great ultimate to back things up to that degree. And yeah. when you have a hero that has great mechanics and a great ultimate, it's usually those heroes are the ones that are at the highest of pick rates right now. You know, one thing I was going to ask you, Fraggy, because like, you mentioned, you know, one of the things that you improved was your, um, you know, your Winston ult just mechanics. Like, what what were those things? Like, what's, you know, with, uh, with Rage? Yeah. So it's, it's most about chuckling. So you know that uh, there's like a lot of, Small nuances to how you how you juggle people mm -hmm. when you start swing like how how where do you leap and how do you like target your swings how mm -hmm. do you, and there's like a you need to like turn your model a bit so there's like wider swing and stuff like that mm -hmm. and so you can direct swings certain way and also like uh, not only the like juggling but also when to jump back and not not like when you, like you need to realize when you are gonna take a lot of burst damage so it's like not go in at that moment and wait for like the current uh, like proper opportunity to go in mm. stuff like that okay good stuff um okay so anyways continue on with ptr may endoblaster now pierces through enemies so like a bunch of fat you know, tanks all on yeah. top of each other it goes through it all now yeah could be good in like choke points like mm -hmm. control against tanks for sure yeah it's so, actually kind of interesting because to a degree, would help in chasing down a hero that's mid-dive, but it would also... I wonder if that's going to be more of a deterrent to things like Slamdulance comps on first point, right? Where if you run a bunch of, like, really thick bodies into a May and a choke point now, she could conceivably just freeze your tanks wholesale if you went for that strategy, where... I mean, that's neither good nor bad, as far as I'm concerned. I don't think quad tank is overpowering to a degree that's a really huge factor, and every now and then it's fun to see it come up as a swap-up, but seeing something come out that's actually like uniquely stronger against it versus just general outplay would be kind of interesting. I'm waiting for the lined up headshots, dude. That's what I'm waiting for. Freeze for it, line them up, and kill them all at once. That'd be pretty sweet. Uh, okay, Reaper, Death Blossom, reloads Hellfire shotguns after use. Okay, you know, that's that's kind of a, a nice nice thing, quality life thing. Wraith form, though. Move speed bonus increased from 25% to 50%. And you can now cancel the ability by pressing shift or primary fire. And so, yeah. that's that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, that's the yeah. biggest one. Like, by far the first. biggest, most impactful yeah. balance change. So like I was like, for a long time, I was like wondering if it's like too big of a buff, if they mm -hmm. did this, that they can cancel the raid form instantly. Mm -hmm. And I feel like maybe with the, with the speed chains, it might like just become too strong. I feel like it can be quite... It could be quite like uh, oppressive to play against the uh, Reaper now with like a 10 years or something. The Reaper just like shifts next to you, cancels straight from and his head to you. I don't know. Well, part of the reason why I think it's good for the game is that if it makes Reaper better, Reaper being better inherently is going to make McCree better. Because McCree is one of the heroes that has a very good matchup against Reaper to begin with, where Reaper has to respect Flashbang pretty heavily, has to respect the damage that McCree puts out at the mid range. So if people start running more Reaper, they're going to be seeing more McCree. And if you're seeing more Reaper and McCree, you're seeing less Tracer and Genji and you know every other game. So in the name of hero diversity, this is a fairly positive development. Yeah, Reaper don't play that much. And uh, Reaper is really good against Winston. So maybe it's mm -hmm. like an indirect Winston nerf as well. Yeah. With Brigitte coming up later as well. Mm. Oh, yeah, with Brigitte coming in, it's going to be all right, Winston leaps in, whip shot it to the ground. Winston tries to go forward normally, Reaper in the back. Brigitte is like a right hand counter as well, though, because her shield charge like goes to the shield. So it's pretty, it's it like change style. You can play right hand like totally. 
if you are playing as Brigitte. What is oh, your wow. take on Brigitte, by the way? Do you think the teams will run her as uh, one of two supports, or do you, do you are you on board the idea that a lot of people have suggested where you use Brigitte in a three-support setup? I feel like it's going to be more uh, in the three-support category. I feel like she should be played more like a, uh, like a semi-DPS role. We just kind of go ham, stun people, play, play with your, just go ham with your play, you know? I think that's the side you want mm -hmm. to play her with. Better on defense or <laughs> offense? What do you think? I mean, whichever. As long as there's like a, it's like a brawl that's going on. Like, mm -hmm. obviously, she's not going to be good against like long range comps, like against Widow, Farah, Zenyatta. That's our way. It's not going to be that useful, but it's like a really like a strong brawl with like Lucio, let's say Lucio Moira, like a Brigitte comp, and it's just like running enemies. Mm -hmm. Should be pretty good. Okay, yeah, can't wait to see some more of those flailing. What what does she officially have? What's her weapon actually called? It's not a whip, but it's like it's like a mini hammer, I think. Or it's flail. No, it's a flail. Okay, is it just a flail? Yeah, it's just a flail. That makes sense. Yeah, that's gonna be be fun to watch. Let's see the rest of the changes here. I don't think they're quite as big. More just more of transparency. It just more of just the looks of some of her ability. Yeah, Zenyatta. Zenyatta's Orb of Destruction. Secondary fire rate reduced by 15%. So That's like a, that's a small small yeah. nerf, you know, just to make the Zenyatta players know that they're super OP right now. Yeah. Because it's coming from them later on. Even yeah, I mean, I think the goal there is that not really to reduce his damage against bigger targets or his overall damage output, yeah. but to make it less likely that you get bursted in such a degree that he's almost acting like a you know lotto widowmaker in the back at points. So the idea of a Zen getting pickoffs early on in the fight probably won't happen as much, which is unfortunate for say Zen's like Boombox or Jonak that have been really effective in getting early pickoffs as a general rule, but it's also probably healthier for the game that Zenyatta is not just randomly picking people off early on in team fights just on a consistency basis alone. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't think it's mm -hmm. gonna totally stop it, but it's gonna like maybe prevent some of the un unfortunate deaths that are happening right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, you know, it's gonna be right now you can go on PTR, play the try it out, try these uh different changes out, and we should be seeing it really, really soon on uh the production. Um another bit of news. So Uprising event was announced I think today, actually, and at least some some little um you know, tweet that had a little hint of when it was going to be, and it's going to actually be on April 10th. It's going to be coming out. So kind of excited about that. Uprising was probably my favorite event last year with the the PvE being pretty fun, you know, so hoping it's as challenging as it was last year. Yeah, I didn't play it too much myself. I, it was the robot thing, right? Yeah. yeah, right. yeah. I didn't I didn't play it too much myself, but I, I really like the PvE events. I feel like we have to go like a really hand with the PvE stuff and make Overwatch even more popular. Like yeah. it's even more, uh, even more content in PvE. Yeah, hopefully... Um, I kind of hope it's not like just uh, Junkenstein where they just uh, literally added a little bit to the same exact uh, you know, stage or whatever. So I'm hoping for well, something different here. Not just the Kingsley. nature of it where they're calling it the Archives event, it seems like they want to go through like major events in Overwatch lore. So yeah. to go through the same event again would be kind of a letdown definitely that's uh going to be fun get some you know new new uh loot boxes and obviously some skins accompanied with it there weren't too many with it last year i just remember the event being such a 
it was like you just carried the event anyway. So um, we'll see what they have this year. Uh, but another bit of news, World Cup returns in August. So hype for that. Team Finland, are they going to – you guys going to live up to expectations this year, man? I always have you guys oh, like high yeah. up and then it's just like, oh, man, come on. Finland, Finland didn't quite live up to it. So this year, it's going to be a big year for yeah. Finland. Yeah, this year for sure, I think. Okay. We're going to probably have a really similar team than last year. Maybe, yeah. oh, wait, we had like, what was last year's team? We had uh, Taimo, mm -hmm. Linkster, Meetup, is q two padding. Yep. I mean, it's stacked. Yeah. It's like yep. crazy good. But, but, but like this year, I think it's probably going to be better for us. Okay. With, uh, we got Piku Shas from Valet, mm -hmm. of course. Yeah. Me, Meetup, is Linkster, uh, I guess Taimo, with Linkster, CPS, mm -hmm. or even some of the contenders guys, it's going to be really strong for us. I think I mean, the player is like seven this year. Or am I crazy? Yeah, he was in Gigant, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we will That's probably sick. have him in. That's a pretty maybe. sick team, dude. <laughs> so. well, I think the player limit is like seven this year uh, for like the live events, but in total it's like even 12 players, but you can only send seven players to the player oh. or like the okay. live, live event. So okay. let me ask you this, Fraggy. Uh, you, you've seen the destinations of where you could go. Where would you want to most be playing as Team Finland of the four different uh, destinations? So it was USA, France, South Korea, and Thailand? Thailand. Thailand, yeah. Oh, man. When is that? It's in... Wait. It's in August? Like the uh, group stages? Yeah. Uh, group stages? Yeah. Are, yeah so like like so, summertime, summertime France? Would be pretty nice. Is it Europe yeah. again? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Europe would be nice. Yeah, that's, that's cool. It's definitely going to be some good traveling around. It's going to be great. So just to remind folks, you know, we have this this period like, that's like right now where you have to qualify as a country, and that, that really depends on your top players and how they finish on the ladder. Uh, and then after that, the committees are created, and this this caused a little bit of controversy last year, so it's <laughs> interesting how they, they choose the committee this year, because the committee is who ends up choosing the, the players. Uh, there's a player tryout period. What, what is that? Uh, well, the player trial period, I think it's just making sure that there actually is a trial period, because there were some teams... Uh, in the last World Cup stage where there wasn't even a tryout situation, where I think mm -hmm. the general rule here is that Blizzard has learned enough from the previous two World Cups as to what works and what doesn't. And yeah. now you have a situation where they're going to handpick basically someone that they will trust with an entire country in cases where it's applicable. So yeah. a lot of your bigger countries, uh, there are pretty clear candidates that would be able to handle that responsibility. But part of the responsibility put on them is going to be, look, we do expect you to run tryouts and not just pick a team of friends or, you know, you need to have some objective data to back things up to a degree, which I think is good for what's going on here where you don't want too much bias. You want someone that's good, put together a good team, but on the same note, you want to make it fair to a degree for players in a country that do have a chance. So just, mm -hmm. you know, I think standardizing the process a little bit is probably best for all involved. Okay. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see like who's gonna be joined by from Finland as the like general manager. Uh, sure. What was that? Like the general manager for each. Oh, general manager. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. By please hurt. Yeah, it's gonna be. So oh, I'm yeah. not sure who's gonna be. Am I back? Am I back? Yeah, you're here. You're yeah, here. I don't know. When did I cut out when I was talking about things? Uh, uh, I think you were talking about tryouts. You were talking about tryouts. Yeah. 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 Um. 
yeah, so the general manager will be selected by by Blizzard, which will be yeah. uh, definitely interesting. Um, in the you know, I think last year, you know, there's there's some spots that were a, little, a bit debatable, but you know, in the end, I think everything ended up working out fine. Um, so yeah, I mean, the the time frame for the World Cup is going to be it's going to work out pretty well. So we'll have like the end of Overwatch League. Then we'll probably have I don't know what like a month or probably like roughly a month. And then all of a yeah. sudden this will start up and then we'll have it all the way up to BlizzCon. So, um, you know, it definitely was a highlight of BlizzCon last year or this past year. And uh, hopefully it'll be the same this year. Super hyped about this. Uh, it's going to be a lot well, of fun. I don't see World Cup going anywhere uh, now and into the future. I mean, the main thing mm-hmm. is that BlizzCon should have a premier event for every major Blizzard game. Yep. And because OWL is a thing, you can't put a normal major overwatch championship at blizzcon it would just it, it wouldn't have the same appeal it'd be like oh well this is just like an owl consolation match or you know even playing contenders finals there i mean it would be cool but it wouldn't be quite as special whereas the world cup is sort of in its own sphere where it's country v country it's definitely its own unique cool thing and i think it fits out really well with the overall overwatch competitive space and mm-hmm. yeah it, it just makes sense for blizzcon really no, it's good. You know, a lot of the the Blizzard titles are going away from having championships at BlizzCon, and I don't know. It just doesn't feel good when that happens. BlizzCon was always the culmination of all the Blizzard titles and their their you know uh, year championships. So um, it's good to have the World Cup, which is a, a big deal in in our community, still there. And and um, you know, like like I said last year, you know, it, it like it was more hype than everything else. So. Uh, I think ha- being in the arena definitely helped out, but a lot of the the matches themselves, I think, played out really, really well too. Um, anyways, yeah, yep, this will be great for sure. Yeah, I definitely. just hope I will make it there this year. What was that? Well, actually, I ended up. I think something. Oh, something's kind of happening on my my end here. Okay, you guys there? Hello? Okay, good. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I got a little bit robotic there because I think my machine like went went a little bit. Uh, thrashed a little bit there um okay well let's see another bit of news uh we got a bunch of like player news and things like that and again again it's been like a couple weeks now so we got we got a few of them um you know built or at least uh stacked up here so bishop and london parted ways you know that was like a few a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago um so i don't know if that was a surprise to anybody but um you know that's that's kind of Bishop's second team now, or at least second pretty high profile team. I guess that he was with Cloud Nine originally, so it's kind of like yeah. The no, same he was still within the Cloud yeah, Nine. I guess he was still within there. Like yeah, yeah. So now, I, I will say, I mean, you know, I can't judge like where Bishop's performance was as a coach overall. I will just say that I don't think it was a huge surprise to people in the scene. Like there was kind of like rumors that it might happen, and then when it happened, it was like, yeah, okay, people heard about it. So yeah. it. it not really reflecting on his coaching ability one way or another, but it was definitely something people in the scene kind of knew might be happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I no. I, I like I didn't really know him personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like a nice guy every time we met, but it's kind of tough to say like what's going on inside any given team. So I yeah. guess that's, things weren't working out for them with the coach and players. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if you know he gets picked up soon or not. You know, given that how much experience he's had. So I mean, that's going with him. If nobody picks him up, I don't know. That's that's kind of a uh, kind of telling, you know, at least what what people's perception of him is. So, um, you know, hopefully he does land somewhere good and that'd be nice. Uh, next bit of news, we got Moth and Architect joining the Shock. 
So San Francisco is getting a bunch of different upgrades, you know, at least in the last uh, three weeks. You know, obviously Sinatra, everybody's talking about Sinatra, obviously finally joining. And then now we see these two. That's so personal. Yeah. And uh, what, do you think about, what do you think about Moth and Architect? So, uh, like, they definitely seem a lot better with uh, Moth, at, at least, in the roster, mm -hmm. uh, playing sport with Sleepy. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't really have much experience, like, watching uh, Architect or anything. I heard he's, like, really good. So it's probably a good, good chance for them. I think they lack, like, a really good projectile specialist in the mm -hmm. team. So it should yeah. be a good pickup for them. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell right now. I've sort of learned to rein in initial impressions on players as they head in OWL because OWL just feels like a different beast entirely, not just because it's a higher level of play, but some players seemingly rise to the occasion when moving in, other players do not. I mean, on face value, a player like Arch Architect could be a very big upgrade for the Shock, but it's sort of, okay, let's see how he actually plays week one, and then I will attune my opinions accordingly uh, going in. Just because... Even uh, situations like, for example, Flower playing on XL2, that's at the contender's level, right? Mm -hmm. And his debut was not anywhere near as good as people, including myself, expected. So when you haven't seen people play as much recently and you're sort of wondering how they're going to do in a new team environment, it's actually fairly hard to predict, even in cases like, say, Flowers, which was seemingly as sure of a bet as you could get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to tell, like... How certain players will fit together, how any any player like goes into any team, maybe the team is totally different from what he's used to playing with. Maybe the players like see the game totally different than him, so it might take some time at least to adjust to the new players to get back to the same level he has like shown before. Yeah, I will say, and I mean, granted, this might be changed up by uh, you know super coming on board, etc. Is that I think Shock has historically had issues in tank play, so mm -hmm. and. And there have been very good tanks uh, available to like supplement, but obviously they're super weighing the wings. So yeah. I don't know. We're, we're, we'll see where things go there. I do think that it's weird that no OWL team in general has picked up Panker with how absurd that guy's been playing on the contenders level. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, speaking of tank, so we actually had a tank picked up by uh, the LA uh, Gladiators. So Void, uh, that was the, the sub-tank actually for Kung Du Panthera is now joining Gladiators. So, um, yeah, what do you guys think of this pickup? Because is he going to be replacing? I mean, who's he going to be replacing here? Like, I mean, they Fisher. obviously just got Fisher. So, yeah, it's... I guess they haven't been happy with Fisher. Well, it's, uh, it's also weird to me, again, because within the same organization, you also have Panker, who, <laughs> again, I, I don't fanboy over players in the sense of just, like, hyping them up repeatedly. Like, a player really has to be above reproach and... What we've seen from Panker so far, not just the contenders, but if anyone's been paying attention to the scrims and stuff leading into it, you would think that you'd pick him up for that. Particularly in the Gladiators case, where the Gladiators actually bought out Panker's contract from Toronto for contenders specifically to bring Panker in uh, for a pretty sizable amount, but they don't have enough faith in him to bring him to OWL. It's actually really weird. Yeah. I mean, they already have Fisher. I don't think they have probably Fisher, but. I guess what it's like going to replace Bishu at Southern Heroes at least. Oh, you're talking about Bishu. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I thought you said right? I thought you said Fisher at first. I was like, what? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Bishu. Yeah, that makes sense. They definitely but, could. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how it's going to work out. Like, uh, I feel like it could be tough for the team when you have, if you're going to have Fisher, 
avoid mm -hmm. like Acer, three Koreans with three Westerners. Mm -hmm. I yeah. feel like the communication might be a bit tough because, well, from what I heard right now, Fisher is like translating all of the strategy that Fisher is like trying to do to the other teammates in English. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the team dynamics could change a lot, and that's not always a good thing. Yeah. Communication, man. That's that. This seems to be the the core of every every team. Either doing better or worse. You know, like they're doing better because the communication's obviously like been fixed for whatever reason, and and uh, they usually get worse whenever something something new is introduced. Um, well, don't forget in terms of communication, the uh, trade rumors that uh, Slashy put out there, the idea that that's custom. That's what I was going to bring up next. That's what I was okay. going to bring up next here. All right. I didn't know so, if you were going to touch that because technically that's not confirmed or anything. Yet, yeah, but, it's okay. not confirmed. Okay. It's, it's like so rumor, guys, not confirmed. So rumor is that, um, you know, there's some trade talks and you can make your judgment as to how far they are or not. Uh, they're going on between Valiant and, and the Dallas Fuel. And so that's kind of obviously brought up a lot, a lot of discussion you know be given that uh some high profile players you know some names like Anko and custa and uh i mean even uh, i mean this initial report was talking about even like tracer players so um yeah at, at this point something's going on i think internally with some of these players on their teams and you know i think like swapping them i, I think is going to you know maybe help with uh, a lot of what's going on internally because like if you just look at i mean custa i felt like has been from a gameplay standpoint, right? I think his, I don't know, he seemed kind of fine uh, from what I've seen. Um, and so, uh, you know, this was this a surprise to you guys, or have you just can maybe heard some rumors about this before? Uh, I guess I go first. Uh, I don't think it makes much sense for at least Dallas. Mm -hmm. From what I heard, I think the Valiant camp has had some disagreements between players. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why it's happening from their side. Yeah. But I, I'm not sure from Dallas side how it's going to work out. But like switching Costa to Anko, I don't, I don't think it's Anko kind of, is. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's going to like fit in well in the current Dallas situation or not. Well, what I would say there is that, and I'll, I'll word this carefully because I don't want to like paint anything in a negative light. But yeah. generally speaking, uh, some of the more well-known French players in the community are very, very strong personalities that can sort of like their general mo is that they they do dominate the personality of a team to a degree, right? And what I would worry about in that sort of trade is that you're taking a person like Custer who's generally like very upbeat, very moldable, et cetera. You're throwing him the Valiant. And even if you're going to say that Unco is better on mechanical level than Custa, which would probably be Fuel's reasoning if they were going for that trade, I feel like you are introducing... Oh. Oh. Rip. <laughs> Rip. Introducing... Uh. <laughs> mm. uh, okay, well, I think ZP's having some internet yeah, issues. I think when fuels. Oh, there we go. Oh, oh, we yeah, lost so. you like halfway there, through there. Yeah. Halfway through? Yeah. Uh, okay, so the, basically, the finish up was saying because I don't know where it sounds at. I, I think that fuel to a degree has had a, an overflow of very strong personalities. So mm -hmm. even if Unco, you want to say he's mechanically better than Custa, moving him into the fuel situation where he's at oh. yet another super strong personality is sort of. I don't know if it's the right timing for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. But it looks like, it, I mean, from what it sounds like, at least, it, it's at least gotten um, to a point where, you know, it could very well happen. You know, I think this is probably more than just a rumor. But uh, we'll see if it actually gets finalized and whatnot. Uh, but speaking of Dallas, might as well just bring up some of the, you know, just other stuff. I feel like, 
Dallas clearly is like the team to just hate and bash on and and do every you know like the media and just like even their own fans sometimes man it's just like it's just for some reason it just makes it feel good to just bash on their team. Um, well, the, the, well, the thing is, is that Dallas was winning in the war of negative PR, but I'm not even sure they're winning that since uh, the in and out incident. So, what does Dallas feel really <laughs> winning right now? Oh my god. <laughs> Like I'm right, just saying, right. they're not even winning that. Like Italian right, right. jumped to the top of the charts where they they have actually created a brand new meme of oh that player's doing bad, better take him to edit out. <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, you know, since the last time we did the the show, um, XQC was stepping stepped down. You know, so we were kind of like talking about all that drama like leading up to that. But I think that you know finally, you know, we we kind of see at least that situation resolved a bit and i think it's for the best i think it's actually for the best for both parties and we talked about it before on the show where i just didn't think it was a good fit like and i still stick with it i don't think it's a good fit for xqc to be in the league like i think he's just better suited to be more of an entertainer you know and and he's got that competitive you know ness in, in him so that's that's the part that he'll probably have to figure out like you know just what, what's going to make him happy but let me ask you this though, and this is I'm going in the conspiracy theory land here, but I do think this is going to be a thing. Is it good for Blizzard in the long term that XQC is not in the league? Now, come with me on my journey as I explain where I'm going with this, is that XQC is still, I think to my knowledge, in LA. He still holds oh, very he close to still lives right next to them all. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah. Let me finish my story because there's a very salient point here. Okay. He is next to all sorts of OWL players that are privilege to a lot of confidential information of all sorts, uh, whether it be team trading, uh, uh, you know, whatever. Like, there's many different yeah. avenues of, like, secret info. XQC no longer has anything over his head that will prevent him from leaking like crazy to one of the biggest streams in Overwatch. Like, there's no way you can control him yeah, at this point. Yeah, but that's going to be the player's fault that tell him, so it's... Okay, you know, but it's players on the onus of the players. And XQC has connections to enough people that they are going to tell him things. So, like, now that XQC isn't an OWL, he is literally going to be the dude that leaks everything because he I has think, no reason not to. I think he's been pretty careful with that because I'm not sure if he's, like, totally decided on yeah. whether he wants to pursue, yeah. like, Overwatch League career again or not. Like, if he leaks stuff now, it's not going to look good to his, like, future teams or he sends, like, to make another team. Future. Yeah. Yeah, he's still deciding. I know he is. It's just, I don't know. For me, I, I just think that it's just a mismatch in my mind, you know, just having him in there. And he's plenty good. I mean, skill wise, he, you know, definitely he could play in the league. It's just, it's not the skill that, that's the problem. It's, it's just, you know, he's, he's kind of a free spirit kind of guy. And like, you can't really work in an environment like Overwatch League and, and have that, that type of, uh, you know, like the ability to do that. So, um, you know, we'll see what he ends up deciding. But at the very least, you know, for Dallas, they don't have to deal with it anymore. At least, you know, a lot of the drama that surrounded XQC. Um, so now, you know, you actually see Siegel playing D.Va now, which, you know, he, he definitely um, got a lot of praise for his D.Va. Uh, and then time moved back to DPS too, right? So we're seeing like a, a lot of switches here. Dallas did look pretty good, you know, in the last, I would say, the week of the, the season, at least better than, than they have been looking um, yeah, I mean, Dallas, Dallas looks good enough to break your heart, and then they <laughs> still lose the game. <laughs> exactly. Right. I feel. Right. I think a lot of things can work out in the short term, but mm -hmm. I think the long term is like what's just kind of scary. Uh, like you practice uh, day in day out, 
and when things don't go right for like a week or so, then there's gonna be like a shake up, like yeah, shake up, loss of confidence, and yeah. things are not gonna maybe work out. Mm-hmm. I feel like the like the last week performance might have been like a puke, like yeah. they tried stuff out and it happened to work out. It was like a change for the players that were like mm-hmm. kind of bad about the situation, and suddenly it like worked out kind of all right. Yeah. So of course people will have more self confidence and they will play better. So that was a good thing for them for sure. Mm, okay. Um, well, we're gonna keep we're gonna continue talking about some OWL here, but uh, we definitely want to give a shout out to our sponsor tonight, Rip, uh, Zip Recruiter, Rip Recruiter, <laughs> Zip Recruiter. And if you're not familiar with <laughs> Zip Recruiter, if you're not familiar with them, they are a jobs website that um, is very it's like awesome because they aggregate from a lot of other job sites so that you can just go to one place, Zip Recruiter, and you can see you know just a, a ton of candidates from a lot of different sites, or you can post in one spot and it posts to all these other sites. So um, I've I've used it like once and for sure it's, it's been a great way to really throw out a big net if you're looking for somebody to hire and 80% of employers who actually post on ZipRecruiter actually get quality ca- candidates from it so if you want to choose you know a job site you know the right candidate for you is going to be ZipRecruiter and if you are you know uh, listening to the show of course you can actually use ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash overview and uh, just signing up so um, yeah definitely check it out they're, def- they're a great option for uh you know folks looking for for uh people to hire okay in terms of let's see stage two just more stage two stuff um why don't we talk about uh just just i guess nixel like what do you guys think uh, of nyxl you know like obviously they came up a little short in stage one this time they were able to finally like a lot of those players finally getting some title right <laughs> oh no frag this is like piercing fraggy's heart here i know just like stabbing him in the back here no but um yeah, overall, you, you, how, how do you think NYXL looked? I mean, you, do you think that um, you know they're they're playing at pretty much the level that that everybody expected them to play? Um, yet they're still within striking distance. Clearly, they're within striking distance, given that um, Fraggy, you guys were just so close to beating them. Thoughts on just Nixel right now? Yeah, I guess Chip is gone. I yeah. go ahead. Yeah, he's uh, at least so. Yeah, they're a pretty good team. I think in stage two, uh, the they weren't like. That much stronger than other teams because I feel like the uh, Mercy Chanting was really good for them. Yeah. For Chonak, because Chonak mm-hmm. was such a strong player. Mm-hmm. So they just like forget their Chen and went ham. Uh, I feel like, yeah, with the Lucia, was a Chen meta. Uh, they weren't as strong, but of course they're like still really strong team mm-hmm. and probably the best in the league. But they're definitely like beatable. Uh, and I think we could have definitely done it on, on Sunday. But it wasn't meant to be this time. I mean, do you think they were having a, a? Do you think they were playing at like their normal level? That you know, like on that Sunday, you think they were playing a little below or anything like that? Or you, like, I'm I'm just kind of curious as to like what we saw on Sunday was was like that was their A game, and you guys almost beat them. Uh, I think they were playing their normal game. Mm-hmm. Uh, in okay. the first two maps, they played some unconventional comp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe it didn't work out for them too well, yeah. and that's why we got uh, easy wins from both maps. I think yeah, probably like the last three maps were more of a, like a proper image of their actual level, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially like Hollywood and Gibraltar was where like the actual actually maps where both teams kind of played well, and it was like the how the match should have looked. I think mm-hmm. in all of the maps. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was they definitely the thing about. 
I feel like with with New York is that they have like certain players. I mean, they they can't necessarily make plays the entire game. You know, like Sebi Sebi Olby and um, but. It's just like whenever things, whenever they need plays, I feel like say Bioli makes huge plays, Jonak makes huge plays. Uh, you know, like obviously Ark is just an amazing player too. But you know, they, they do a good job of of kind of distributing. You know, like the these these crazy amazing plays, and they end up you know leading to these these map victories. Um, well, well, you hit on a key point there. Am I back now? By yeah, the way? you're back. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm back. Um, one key point you hit on there is that. I tend to sometimes view Overwatch as more of a numbers game where it's like in any given fight, any player has an X percent chance of doing something above the norm to win you a fight mm-hmm. and let things go to the top. And when you can get that from almost every position, you have a huge edge over the course of a map compared to the average team. And I think that's where credit does have to go to a player like Jonak, right? Where not every support player in the league Man, that uh, that Wi-Fi internet or whatever he's using tonight is just uh, not good. But I, I think I, we got the point there. Yeah, yeah I think I got the point. A lot of fights there you go. for free off Zenyatta, and you can think about the impact on the game on that, right? Yeah. If your Zen picks someone off early on, that mm-hmm. means that you can sometimes take the fight without investing anything. That means that in the you know, War of Alt Economy, you just save three ultimates. Three ultimates that, by the way, weren't even guaranteed to give you first pick or team That's fight true. win in mm-hmm. many cases. So... The more you can get unexpected benefit from your team, particularly from tanks and supports and early pickoffs, uh, surprising kills, etc., the more fights you're going to win, the more ultimates you get to save, and all of that snowballs pretty heavily over the course of a map of Overwatch. Yeah, so I guess would you say that the the biggest relative difference then is Jonak? I mean, just at that spot, whoever's got that kind of Zenyatta that, you know, I mean, he's at this point, I feel like from a offensive Zenyatta, he kind of transcended uh, just the, the, the actual, you know, uh, hero and role at this point. Um, is that, is he the main reason then? Like from, a, at least from a differential standpoint. I mean, he's one of the main differentiators for yeah. sure. I mean, what I would point to is, and granted, Boombox is still very good. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but is good. if you think to the failing United core, right back when United was still running crap like triple DPS and winning games before they began their huge loss streak, a huge reason why they're doing that is that Boombox at the time was just completely outperforming just about every other Zen in the region by a pretty wide margin. Like people had not adapted to the idea that Zen could blow someone up from afar. And United was able to mask the fact that they literally did not have anyone that could play flex tank in any form of competent fashion. One of the most important roles in the game. Why were they able to do that? Because Boombox is getting early pickoffs Mm -hmm. and so is Volatalia. As soon as Volatalia returned to a more normal performance and teams adapt around Boombox, United basically lost every single game. So yeah, there's a rather sizable difference when you can have a support that can offer that level of contribution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Tenet is definitely, probably Treasure, like Treasure Pulse Bombs and Treasure gameplay in general, like Tenet is the biggest, uh, like, cause of unfair fights mm-hmm. in Overwatch, like where you just win a fight for free, and okay, you just save your all, all, all limits, and then anything gets shielded and stuff, you just win the fight for free. That's, like, really important, especially, like, in <laughs> playoffs games, yeah. you get get free maps, free, free fight games, whatever. Uh, I think in general, New York is just like a, overall a really solid team, and then they have like, like those uh, really good performances from like Jonak, 
Save by LB uh, and people like that. Like, uh, in top of being a really solid team, they mm-hmm. still have those, like, difference makers in the games. Yeah, and you bring up another interesting point there. You mentioned Save LB, is that you also have the entire idea that there's certain areas in Overwatch where you need to at least hold serve on, if not overpower the other team on, if possible. And one of the those areas that's super important is your tracer play, right? And you see that to a degree in Houston, where Houston can't... Hmm. <laughs> God. All right, wait for it. Wait for it. He's going to be back. So uh, it's a limiting factor, on there teams, we go. but it's not a limiting factor for uh, NYXL. I, we lost you there for a second. You were saying he's something about Houston. No, no. Uh, okay, so I was just saying like another like Fraggy touched on an important mm-hmm. part that we mentioned. Save you'll be just because I think another key factor to a team just doing well in Overwatch is that you can't get overpowered in the tracer position, right? We we see what happens to a team where you have a team like Houston that has a phenomenal front tank line. You know, one of the best coaches in the league, but they have to play around the fact that they have a weaker tracer option than normal. Like, that's just, it's fact at this point. They do not have a tracer on the level of safety. They'll never league. admit it, though. They, they'll never uh, no, the team admits it. <laughs> okay. Well, some, some people like, and Jake literally admitted it in an interview. He's like <laughs> right. tracer. So, yes, right. they do right. admit it. Yes. Okay. Jake, sure, sure. Jake, Jake definitely has said that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, definitely a good points, and one of the reasons why that you know I think we see both of these teams, you know, Philly and and, and New York at the end being so strong just at those two positions, right? So um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see like if if New York can get any better. I mean, it's like it's I, I feel like for two stages now they've kind of or at least with the second stage now that they've won, you know, it's definitely harder I think to stay on top, you know, and and really not just rest on your laurels when you're as good as they are. So we'll have to see. Uh, say Buolby, you know, like celebrated by getting a chance to throw out a first pitch at a Mets game. Uh, I mean, granted, it's preseason, but that's still pretty cool, man. So a little bit of crossover from Overwatch into, into MLB. That's pretty sweet. Maybe we'll yeah. see some more of that. Maybe you'll be throwing out like, uh, you know, a, a Phillies like like a, a first pitch at a Phillies game, man. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, I don't think we're like affiliated with Phillies too much. Okay, maybe you can uh, hockey. Inspired. Maybe you can, maybe yeah, you can shoot shoot uh, one of those halftime well, shots. Let's yeah. just be clear. It, it is yeah. cool they got to throw out the first pitch, but it is literally the Mets ownership that owns the NYXL. They have a vested interest in I promoting know. him. So, I mean, look, it is cool, but it's also not like a different org said, oh, my God, we need to recognize Sabio B. It's the Mets ownership going, we should promote Sabiel B because we own him. Like <laughs> I know duh. that. Gosh, come on. Of course, of course. It's still cool okay. regardless of the reason why. It's cool. <laughs> okay. I'm not for my I still know it's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh nothing too is you know, we we've been talking about Sundays and you know, this was the first stage that we actually had a championship Sunday instead of this incredibly long Saturday that was like crazy on stage one. So st- I think that was awesome idea i think everybody's happy that they moved it to sunday players you know obviously players for probably the most happy um can you imagine playing on saturday like everything on saturday i don't know i want to do it in stage one <laughs> yeah I like houston play. had to do that yeah, right to, it's kind of crazy no, like, no, like london was the day like they played like a one match and like regular season match and they played semifinals oh yeah finals, right yeah london won the whole thing yeah yeah so three months in a row yeah, thankfully they didn't have to do that. You guys were, you know, basically 100% on that Sunday and 
you know, just gave us an even longer weekend, which is really, really nice. So um, keep doing that, Overwatch League, because it was definitely a great idea. I think they're like, uh, they might like do some other stuff as well that makes the yeah. playoffs even better mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah. Um, uh. Let's see. Uh, kind of wrap up stage two. Let's see. Any any other things? Um, oh, the mayhem. You know, like I think the may- I guess, I guess so let's talk about teams that showed improvement. Teams that kind of disappointed. So teams that showed improvement. Mayhem definitely. Um, I, I think you know they they were able to win like a, you know a few more games here, and then they you know they actually had a a nice win, um, a pretty big win. You know, just during that. So um, you know we we've been definitely hard on them. You know, just throughout uh, just Overwatch League so far. But the, clearly they figured something out because they are playing miles better than they were early on. I mean, I, I threw a viewing party when you 4 owed them, like, the first time, like, you guys played them, right? So, uh, it was pretty brutal to watch that, but ever since, you know, kind of midway through, I mean, they're, they're a completely different team. Yeah, definitely, the like, yeah, I'll go first, I guess. Uh, uh, yeah, so, I, I think they've had the confidence, yeah. I think they've had their, like, confidence, and they stride. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have some really nice guys in the team, especially Mineral, he's a very handsome guy. <laughs> He's not in the chat, by the way. But yeah, uh, I think it's most like confidence thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, they still have the same players. It's really like Logics is doing a lot better now yeah. than before, and that's like really about factor. Uh, they probably found, found like a style that suits them a bit, bit better. I feel like they were a bit lost during stage one mm-hmm. and like early stage two, but now they found a style that suits them a bit better, and uh, yeah, it's looking good for them. So the problem with the, this, though, is that so late in the season that we have kind of hit the point where some teams just mathematically, they're not, they might not be eliminated mathematically, but in actuality, the likelihood of coming back in and getting a top six spot for the playoffs is yeah. just about gone. And mayhem, they're in that territory right now where they would have to start beating the very best teams in the league on a regular basis throughout stage three and stage four to even have a chance of finishing top six. Like, that's how far behind them. They're eight games back from the number six spot. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's just, it's not super likely that they're going to be able to bring it back at this point. And same for Fuel. Like, Fuel, even if they turned it around, the odds that they get a top six spot now are pretty grim. Like, right, I would say overall in the playoff race, I would generally speaking, it probably stops at LA uh, Gladiators. There is a small chance that the shock could maybe eke their way in, but they would have to play out of their minds to a degree that I don't think it's really possible. So the the only thing that's up in the air for playoffs right now, uh, if you like league playoffs, not uh, stage playoffs, is sort of what happens with between Outlaws, Uprising, Valiant, and Gladiators. Yeah, is how I'm looking at it. Right I mean, and, and granted, uh, Philly could also drop down as well. Uh, yeah. Raggy, uh, stay on your toes. You are not immune to that. Anyone in the teams yeah, that you could easily catch. But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the unfortunate part about the teams that had a very rough stage one, stage two, is that they've kind of almost passed the point of no return. Yeah, it's a little bit of, like, the, as I talked before, the parity is so strong right now. All teams are, like, stepping up. So I feel like if you are so uh, many games down right now, mm-hmm. it's going to be really tough to, like... Uh, like it's Flip for it, two yeah. stages exactly. to like win, win every game against all these good teams. It's gonna be so tough. Yeah, come back. But I still think it's important. I mean, it's still important for those teams to still do well the rest of the way. And you know, like the whole point yeah. is like we we want to build 
you know, like fan bases, right? And, you know, definitely winning is going to help build fan bases more so than, than losing. And, um, you know, one thing that, that Florida showed is that at least at the end of the stage two, they look like they belong in, you know, kind of that middle, maybe middle bottom of the, the, the league right now. You know, just the teams that they beat, like the Shock and, and Valiant and, you know, almost beat the Outlaws. So, um, you know, that is miles from where they were in stage one, which were literally the second worst team. Just And they, they beat the Shanghai Dragons. If it wasn't for that, you know, they would be definitely at the bottom. So, um, you know, I'm glad they figured it out. Apparently it was had a lot to do with just the difference between practice and, and on stage. You know, like there was some kind of disconnect that, you know, they just were not communicating and, and playing at this the same kind of uh, level. So they, there is one interesting story, by the way, mm-hmm. if you uh, look at the divisions, how they're set up, which I don't think anyone's really talked about, but obviously the divisions were somewhat set up in a random fashion, right? Between the Atlantic division, Pacific mm-hmm. division. If you look at the top teams in the league, there's a huge disparity between the two where the Atlantic division is basically taking up most of the top spots right now. Atlantic. Let's go. <laughs> Yep. Oh, yeah, it's true. I guess the the, the only team in the Pacific Division that is in the top six is Seoul. <laughs> yeah. Way on the other side of the Pacific. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're right. So clearly the all-star team would be a crushing for the Atlantic team if we had, if we had the, the Atlantic versus Pacific all-star team, which are we going to do that? Is there going to be an all-star team? I think there's some also things. Yeah, something, right? Somewhat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that, that'll be pretty interesting. All right, so we got the mayhem on one side. Who's the big disappointment this this uh, stage? Well, I think uh, I would Houston? say one of the big disappointments is sort of what happened with Outlaws, right? Where Outlaws yeah, started out stage one a little bit shaky. Mm-hmm. They finished out really strong and sort of like, all right, let's see what the Outlaws do in stage two. They actually started out week one of stage two really good, and then they fell off a cliff. So... People who are kind of expecting the Outlaws to take the crown, uh, it didn't happen. They fell down to earth pretty harshly. They showed signs of life at the very end, but they're finishing number five when they actually had a chance to finish out number one in the stage. Like, there was a week where all they had to do was win win two games, including, of course, one of the games was against Philly. If they'd be in Philly and then be in New York, they would have been number one overall in the league. So... That was the situation they're in as early as week two of stage two, and it just didn't pan out. Is that a case of maps? You know, like you were talking a little bit about it, Fraggy. Like a change in maps can like be night and day uh, for teams. I, I, or, I don't think it was map pull for Houston. Like I don't know. Like it's been Overwatch League. Mm-hmm. It's such a long season, and the stress is so high. Yeah, and Overwatch is such a it's such a like a team based game. So if any of the team members are like not for some reason like not feeling good or in a bad mood, playing worse than usual, it affects the whole team, and it can easily like uh, make things like mm-hmm. slump like this. Yeah. Oh my God! I just looked at the first week of stage three. In a side note, let me see. Do you guys know what stage three starts out with without uh, looking at it immediately? Oh, I think I remember. Uh... <laughs> oh god I, 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 it's some kind it, of crazy it's dragon's fuel baby let's go is it oh okay that's not what I was thinking it was where is it that's no literally the first match on Wednesday oh, week one, 4 week p.m. Oh. It, it, it's dragon's <laughs> fuel oh this is this is where I think it was Doa that was making this prediction that this would be the first win for dragons it's kind of interesting actually like the schedule is at least for us it's almost the same as that's true or it's exactly oh, the same it? 
Okay. Yeah, like, like we play against. Oh yeah, you play. Same, same week. Play Mayhem again. Boston, Boston Mayhem first week. Yeah. Then we have like Houston and then the Koreans. Yeah. I mean, the, the only question is, is that do you load up confetti in the Blizzard Arena for the Dragons? Like, just it, when they get their first win, they just like you just, just throw a celebration just party. It's like it the on the Dallas hate, over. Dude. Just pile it on, Dallas man. It's just like everybody. I don't know, man. I, I'm not sure he's going to win this. I mean, I, one thing I do can't can't wait for is like I, I want to see Gagori play. Like that's going to be going to be real, a lot of fun seeing you know her actually get a chance to play Diva, you know, and get a chance maybe even break out some Zarya. But her Diva is awesome, so like, I, I I definitely would love to see that moment happen too in, in Overwatch League. Um, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Let's just pick that. Who's going to win? Dragon's Fuel. Fuel. Okay. Uh, there's no reason to think that Fuel is... Or sorry, no reason to think that Dragons are going to win. I think it would be the most Fuel thing ever to lose to the Dragons right now. Where you know that, That's just the point where you see Hasra walking over to a dumpster and just throwing in a match. He's like, all right, I'm done. But I don't know, man. Just the, when you the, think... The Fuel... When you think the Fuel has hit... The, able to win. When you think the Fuel have hit rock bottom, they seem to figure out another bottom to, to hit so we'll have to see i mean i'm gonna pick deal like too but still set, it's like the simpsons yeah. episode where homer is in the stone cutters oh, and he falls and it's like the five floor drop it's like supposed to be a joke and then he just continually falls through layers to the building that no one even knew existed yeah well one thing the dragons have done right is like everybody loves the dragons man they're probably the most loved zero and 20 team i think i've ever seen in any sport well, so the yeah, only way they wouldn't right. be loved as a zero and 20 is if they had a notable player on their team that was talking shit <laughs> people okay. are going okay. the route for the team that's getting its ass kicked that's yeah, how sports yeah. works unless you have you know a, a manzel type uh, character yeah, yeah. on the team you're just like no Screw this team. Continue to lose. <laughs> All right, we're running, we're running out of time. So why, why don't we get to some of these Q&A questions, given that I know some of these folks uh, ended up tweeting it. Uh, let's get to some of these fun ones. So uh, Lons Pons asks, Fraggy, what, would you, what do you feel are your main strengths as a tank? And what areas do you feel like you still need improvement in? Oh, tough question. <laughs> okay. I think my strengths probably are my overall view of the game, like how the game should be played or what's in general. I think I have a very good sense for the game in in general, like mm -hmm. uh, which elements should be used in fights, uh, how we should approach some fights, what comms should we, we play and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think that's my biggest strength probably. Uh, I still got some work to do with Winston, uh, especially I feel like on some maps I'm doing really good already. For some maps I have more work to do and figure out how to play, how, how to play like first fights in Sub-King of the Hill maps and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But it's getting better all the time. But yeah, it's, it's mostly about figuring more more about Winston and uh, when to engage, when to hide, and stuff like that. Okay. Well, there goes ZP. We're going to get some Doomfist action again. Uh, CM Hornyak asks, Carpe looks so sad when you win. Is he not a fan of hugs? <laughs> That's <laughs> so, true. Yeah, but Carpe, it's kind of, yeah. It's gonna, I think he's, like, so focused in the game. Yeah. So... He's like still in the game mode when the game ends or something like that. I, yeah. I feel like he's probably like thinking about some game related stuff in the, when the uh, uh, game is ending. But he usually like breaks out a smile when we like start playing with the handshakes and like. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, right. it's, 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 
you missed the point to meme here, which is just is like, wouldn't you be sad if you had to hold your breath for two hours while you wait to get back into water? Like, come on. <laughs> I'm not. Oh I'm not going to with with the carpetfish memes. The fish, like the fish memes. Yeah, I'm yeah. too old for that stuff. <laughs> too old. I'm. I'm pretty sure I'm older than you, but that might be just be speaking more about me than anything else. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Uh Ferdika asks, how has Heidi's cooking affected your team? Do you think it gives fusion an advantage over teams that don't think about food? Uh most likely. I don't know like how healthy all of stuff is. I think she tries to get it healthy most of the time. Mm -hmm. But I think it's like overall the like Philly Fusion organization like mm -hmm. gives really good care for us. Like yeah. we don't need to think about food at all. We have it ready always. It's really good food. Mm -hmm. And obviously like food is pretty important to uh, humans in general. So if you get good <laughs> yeah. food, you're yeah. gonna feel better. You're gonna play better. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a good thing for us. What's your favorite dish that she's made you? Uh, she made some really good burritos one day, but probably like most of the meat she cooks is really good. Like the what's it called? Like like really soft, like brisk type of meat. Brisket kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's really good as well. Okay. Yeah, man, food, how you eat, man, that, that affects how you, how you're, you know, like mentally, you know, mm -hmm. thinking and stamina and things like that. It's like underrated for sure. Uh, all right, right that's cool. Can, let, let me, this is uh, my love of food. My love of gluttony <laughs> okay. is just oh my well known. <laughs> yes, if I were we to stop know. by on a Monday before Contenders is over, would the Fusion Team House welcome me? Uh, most likely, I think. Is there a place setting for ZP? At that giant uh, table in the background there. <laughs> there's usually extra food. So if like one person stops by, we probably have extra food. Right. Okay. I good. might take you up on the forced invitation that I brought up myself. <laughs> mm -hmm. He's just inviting himself over there. Jeez. In, right. in the I'm inviting scenario, myself to your food. Worst case scenario, we have some, like, I don't know, chips in the pantry or some snacks. Hey, worst case scenario, scenario, I just... Uh, I get bounced out to the trails like food in treehouse. Go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's brutal. All right, last question. Ant asks, "What will it take for Anna to be in the meta again? Is Sombra still strong after her nerfs?" Then we kind of answer the Sombra question, but yeah, Sombra was answered. I guess yeah. for Anna, mm -hmm. um, like the main problem with Anna is that Ten is so strong at the moment. So Ten mm -hmm. is just OP. So tennis is always going to be played over Ana, pretty much. Mm -hmm. uh, the only only reason why tennis is not going to be played would be that Sombra would be OP and Sen would be EMP'd and stuff. So you don't want to play Sen, mm -hmm. but that's not the case too much. So you just play Sen. Uh, and, and with Sen, uh, even currently, Ana is played in some maps, like Hanamura. Ana is played lots, mm -hmm. but I feel like, yeah, Sen is like default pick and then you have the other, other spots. And then mostly like Lucio or Mercy are better choice than Ana. That's like the biggest problem, I think. Maybe if Ten was a bit weaker, Anna would probably see a bit more playtime. Mm. But I feel like she's a pretty good hero. Pretty balanced. Maybe she take it off her a bit. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I, I, we've seen a little bit of her every once in a while, but I don't know if it's more of just like there's just not a good Zen on that team more so than than uh, Anna being you know just something strong. 
Um, okay. Well, anyways, thanks everybody for writing in those questions on Twitter. I really appreciate it. Even, uh, the emails too. Um, but I think we're going to wrap up given that we, uh, wanted to stop by midnight and it's like pretty much that, like the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, bells are going to be ringing. We're going to be turned into pumpkins and things, but Fraggy, thanks for being on the show. Uh, really appreciate you, especially us getting off to a late start. So really, really appreciate you being patient with us and, uh, it's a good time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was the best. Yeah. Thanks when, for coming on. And again, sorry about the uh, good old LA traffic. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Any shout outs you want to do before you take off? Uh, I guess, I don't know. Shout out to all the Philly fans yeah. supporting us. Shout out to the organization. Mm-hmm. They keep good care of us. And uh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Uh, ZP? The Doomfist? Uh, no. Doom, uh, I don't even really have too much personal shout aside from Watch Contenders if you haven't. Uh, ridiculous yeah, yeah. storylines have been going on. Uh, look, uh, when you suddenly you have uh, the Grizzlies uh, defeat Flower out of nowhere on XL2, it's like... That's what? crazy. But yeah. more than else, I just kind of want to reiterate, uh, Fraggy, thanks for coming on. Uh, it's been a pleasure kind of watching your journey mm-hmm. over time where yeah. it's obviously been crazy for everyone involved, but uh, who would have thought that weekly tournaments uh, way back when would culminate in this where you're now living in L.A., uh, you have a chef making you great food, and you get <laughs> to charge in the people on the biggest stage. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Thank you. Just the beginning, man. This is just, just the beginning. Um, yeah, just thank both of you guys for doing the show today. Everybody for staying up late with us. And, you know, we haven't been, we hadn't done the show in a couple of weeks. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, of course, we'll get the VODs up on YouTube.com slash after this. Uh, follow the channel at, uh, or follow the show at the Overview GG. Oh, and one last thing too. So, um, you know, obviously I live in Florida and been doing the uh, viewing party. So we started the Chaos Crew, which is like our viewing party organization. So um, you can check out some of the ones. Actually, we're, you're going to see us play Philly actually in Miami here. So uh, oh. here's just the list of uh, the next three viewing parties we have. Um, I'll be I'll be hosting the one in West Palm Beach. But yeah, check it out. We're, we're just getting this started. And, you know, unlike the other teams, we have a whole state to cover. Okay, and you know, not just one city. So it's a little bit, it's been definitely a, a challenge, but definitely a challenge we're, we're uh, definitely up for. So keep a lookout for that. Follow the uh, just Chaos Crew FL for any of the updates on, there, on that. But that's going to be it, guys, for the overview tonight. Uh, so for Fraggy, ZP, and myself, Cham and V, we'll see you next week. All right. Farewell. Farewell.